0: Well, here we are about three quarters of the way through the very first full day of the 2016 Sunshine Coast Festival of the Written Arts, which means it's time for our first podcast. I'm Sean Eckford, one of the board of directors here at the festival, and I've spent the day wandering around catching some of the events and talking to some of the people and the authors who've been presenting. But, of course, we opened up on Thursday night, and opening night is always pretty exciting and you're often going to see something a little bit unusual but you don't always hear this. Bill Richardson, as well as a couple of members of our stage in front of house crew, were celebrating birthdays. Bill, of course, leading the panel discussion with Charlie Demers and Zarka Nawaz, all about laughter and how they're using it in their work. But there were a couple of moments when they also took a look at the serious side of that and how humor can be used to cope with the craziness in the world around us. Here's what Bill, Zarka, and Charlie had to say about that. With you, there's this really interesting balance of reverence and irreverence. Because, well, no, really, you are, you are a reverent person, you are a religious person, but your, your work bubbles with this fantastic irreverence. How do you or do you worry about reconciling those two things?
1: You know, I wish my, I think my community wishes I wouldn't be so irreverent and I would take things much more, you know, like take the sacred. But I find the more sacred the issue, the more hilarious and ridiculous it is to me. (laughs) And so, and that's where the writing and the ideas come from, right? Yeah. And, and the world is getting crazier and crazier for Muslims. And so my writing, my writing is getting wackier and wackier as a result. Because it's the way I process the world. You know, Charlie, when things get really scary and disturbing for you, the only way I can sort of understand it or be able to accept it is if I can somehow, you know, it twists in my mind in this hilarious way and then sort of helps me understand my place in this world and everything will be okay. And I think that's a, a coping mechanism, would you say? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a kind of uh, an idea that someone making a joke of something... something, You make a joke about something awful, and people go, Oh, this is nothing to um, make light of. And to people whose minds are sort of naturally comic, like, I'm making light of it. I made a joke. That's That's the most sacred thing I can build, is a joke. Like, that's how... That's the sound of anger leaving my body. Is a joke. Like I, I, don't think of it as making light of it at all. And I mean, you do have to negotiate other people's sensitivities as well. And and um, but I, I, think sometimes when you see these arguments between comedians and you know their communities, uh, literally, it's it's like it's like a category error. Like people are like, why don't you take this seriously? And you're like, are you serious? Like the most serious thing I can do is make a joke about this like this that that's how angry I am or that's how scary this is to be Um, you just kind of go immediately into it I mean you look at on Twitter like how quickly people were making those jokes about Trump and the second amendment um, comment and part of you wants to resist it because part of you just doesn't want it to become another kooky thing because it's so terrifying but on the other hand, if you if you don't somehow like you wouldn't leave the house or like it's 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 I mean, I I tend to think of comedy as a uh as a numbing agent, as an anesthetic, and you can use, you can abuse a numbing agent or you can use a numbing agent in order to make possible the kinds of painful work that you would otherwise be unable to to get through, um, you know, if you have a, a tumor that has to be removed, your doctor will give you an anesthetic uh, because otherwise they couldn't go in. You can also misuse an anesthetic and and just take all sensation out of your body for the rest of your life. And I mean that's that's cynicism, and you know we want to guard against that.
0: Zarka was back earlier today with her own slot on the program and had people rolling in the aisles again as well as exploring uh, a new potential theme for her next piece of work. I'll uh, keep that confidential for now. One of the other authors on the program today was Alyssa York. Her most recent novel is The Naturalist. And I had a chance to talk to Alyssa Uh, About a couple of things. One of the things that I was curious about was after watching her perform on the stage and noticing that uh, she had a lot of fun with things like the accents of some of the characters in her book, I had to find out if uh, those theatrics were part of why she enjoys coming to festivals.
2: Yeah, I do like the performance aspect of being a writer. Um, that's part of my personality. I have that mix of introvert and extrovert. And I actually, years ago, did some acting. So it's nice for me to get a little taste of of the acting. And yeah, I think I I feed off of that. And I enjoy being able to do silly voices and, and uh, <laughs> Yeah, try out different accents. It's fun.
0: Now, I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but if you have read The Naturalist, you might be a little curious about what happens next. And I also asked Alyssa if we're ever going to find out.
2: It's funny. People ask that about a lot of different things that I've written. Um, You know, what happens to those people in the future? And the truth is that while I have a vague sense I don't actually know their future because the novel has it really does have a life of its own and it comes to you as with that life and so if if there's a sequel out there I don't know about it yet
0: There's also some very serious subject matter on the program for our first full day. Michael Pond and Maureen Palmer talking about the book Wasted, a look at Michael's real-life experiences as a psychotherapist who's also a recovering alcoholic. He talked a lot about the problems that he sees with the way addictions are currently treated and the prevailing thinking about addictions. Obviously, during the course of a discussion like that, Alcoholics Anonymous and that 12-step approach are going to come up. Michael Pond doesn't think too highly of that approach, and he was asked during the question and answer what he thought about the seemingly overwhelming role shame plays in a program like Alcoholics Anonymous.
3: Yeah, you know, I still, at times, you know, get in touch with that shame, and uh, even recently, I you know, I had to go for my own trauma therapy in conjunction with the Vivitrol shots. And, and that's you know, I do trauma therapy every day with my clients with addictions. But in terms of AA and the shame piece, uh, you know, AA, when, when it originated in 1935 with Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, they, you know, they were dealing with the absolute bottom of the bottom drunks then and there was nothing then and so there was this belief that you know that we needed to kind of get the drunk to to bottom right out and, and we're going to do that by confrontation and shaming um, but you know it came from a place I believe that it came from a place of compassion and, and a good it's just over the years the last 80 years it, it's been bastardized I believe and uh The original intent of AA has been lost in a lot of places.
0: As well as the authors we have on the formal program throughout the festival, the Sunshine Coast Festival of the Written Arts also has something else in its mandate. We invite local, independently and self-published authors to have a space in our big tent where everyone goes for the book signings and book sales after the presentations. And I had a chance just to talk to a few of those self-published authors and... uh, I'll let you hear from them who they are and what their books are all about. My uh, name is Tony Richmond.
3: I have written a book that is based on 60 years of a forestry career. The title is Silviba, A Forester's Log. It has four parts, and at the end we, uh, we end up with four messages, but you have to read the book. To find them, and there is no prize. Hello, my name is Frida Mellenthin. It is called Love in Northern Rapids because uh, I met my husband uh, when we were both retired, and he uh, enticed me to uh, go whitewater canoeing with him, although I didn't, hadn't done it, never done it in my life. And uh, so it is a description of the Canadian North, of the different rivers we did, as well as our relationship comes into that as well. That's why it's love of the north, love of
4: paddling, and love of my husband. I'm Wolfie from Powell River, otherwise known as the Crazy Dog Lady, and uh, I've got 13 books here, and four of them are by my puppy, uh, the novelist Katja Van Loon, and the rest are by me. And my favorite book is probably the second one in my Widening Gyre trilogy. It's got, the na- it's got a nude female rump on the cover. It's actually a painting by one of Powell River's best-known painters, Autumn Sky Morrison. And it's about, this whole trilogy is about, well, it's kind of about the collapse of society, but it's, it has characters in it that discuss the whole thing about women's disappearance, how women are disappeared, and also child abduction, things like that. So this one takes place, La Charipa means the stroke of luck. This one takes place in Guatemala mostly. The first one takes place in Vancouver, and this one takes place in Guatemala. The third one I still have to write, but it's coming on. I'm Lena Wright, and the title of my book is On My Way to the Funeral Parlor. This book is the greatest gift that we can give ourselves, and is for preparing for the unexpected in our lives. It helps you do it easily and effectively. Plan well today, and worry-free tomorrow in terms of health and wealth.
0: Well, Lawrence Hill and Ian Weir are taking the stage now to talk about the process of going from novel to network, and I don't want to miss that, so I'm going to sign off. Tomorrow, another great day at the festival, and tickets are still available for many of the events. You can just check in with our festival office at 1-800-565-9631, and I'm sure somebody can help you out.